0: Friends, I want to propose one more name for this famous parable that we hear this morning. It's most famously called the parable of the prodigal son. Some prefer to call it the parable of the good father. Others prefer the parable of the two brothers. But I, for the sake of this homily, want to call it just the parable of the loss. That each of the three main protagonists in the story lose themselves in the course of this story. And this parable follows the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And so I just want to call it the parable of the lost. And look at each of the three characters and what they lose. It's the younger son who loses himself in the emptiness of the excesses of the world and pleasure. The older son, the older brother, loses himself in the interior emptiness of resentment and bitterness and jealousy. And the good father loses himself in love with open arms outstretched for both of them. And so I think it's instructive to kind of look at the characteristics of the, each of these three incredible figures in, in this parable. So first, um, the younger son, the younger brother, he loses himself right, in the emptiness of the excesses of the world and of the flesh. I think we're most drawn to him in a certain sense, and he gets the, the main uh, title, the prodigal son, because I think we relate to him in sort of our rebellious streak, especially maybe for those of us raised in, in the religious context, right? We all get raised in an environment in which there are rules and guidelines that precede us. And there's always just this itching sense that maybe life is better out there. Like Maybe there are greener pastures. Maybe I don't have to live life confined by these things that my parents and the church and other people tell me. There's this rebellious streak that we, I think, almost all have right, to want to seek out greener pastures. So the younger son goes, and very quickly he finds that none of those things fulfill him and he finds himself empty. In fact, the word that's translated, the two words that are translated distant country there are are koran makran. It's like the big open space, the big emptiness. He finds himself just in this sphere of emptiness where he is not satisfied. He realized things weren't so bad in his father's house. And so luckily he conjures up the self-awareness, right? It says coming to his senses, but it literally says he went into himself. He went into himself to discover that that he had this longing, that there was something lacking in what he was pursuing as his ultimate goal. I was thinking about this. We had a group of students uh, this weekend that went off to a silent retreat. Uh, Kim and I went with them, and so their phones were taken Friday night through today at noon, Uh, and they couldn't speak for the entirety of the weekend. Um, And uh, other than the the prayer, we told them, no, you can say thank you to the kitchen staff. They were like, can we we say thank you? Yes, you can say thank you to the kitchen staff. Um, But the retreat director was uh, laying out on the first night the values of silence. And one of the things he says is that when you take away the cacophonous noise, the exterior noise that we're all saturated in, Right? Things come up inside of us that we don't want to deal with. Right, We use the noise of the world to not deal with our issues. Right, Because we can just go from one thing to the next and cover them over, conceal them, keep them hidden. And part of the value of silence, of going into yourself, and of dealing just with God in the recesses of the human soul, is that things are uncovered. Things come to the surface we have to then address uh, in the eyes of God. And so this younger son has the self-awareness to do that, to go into his own soul, to realize he's not satisfied, and to have the courage to take the track back, to, to apologize to his father, and to begin again. The older brother, he's lost in the interior emptiness of resentment, bitterness, and hatred. The younger son gets lost in sort of external emptiness. For the the older brother, it's interior emptiness. He's also in the Makron, right, the the Koran Makron, the big emptiness. He's just at home, but he's in the emptiness of his own soul because he lives in a terrible spiritual space of resentment and bitterness for his younger brother and for his father, See the problem with the younger the, the older brother is that he's operating not according to the logic of of God, the logic of grace, which says everything's a gift. He's operating on a strict justice framework. He's like an accountant. Right? If you do something wrong, you have to get punished for it equally. The younger son should be punished. He should have to repay first thing the Father should demand is that he repay all of the inheritance that he squandered. He sees things as this kind of quid pro quo sort of way of looking at the world, and the problem with that is that doesn't apply in the logic of grace, because none of us deserves anything. Justice may be a, a good way to build a society on earth, but it's not the way to understand God. Because God distributes how he wants to distribute. Right? And so, the younger brother, he can't, or the older brother can't get that. He lives in the bitterness and resentment that the son is getting something that he doesn't deserve. Right? And we might have the same temptation. right? If, if we focus too much right, on what other people have spiritually, Right, their advantages, their privileges. We live often in a space where we're comparing ourselves and thinking, uh, "This person got something that I deserved that I didn't get." Right? We're living in really dangerous spiritual space because all of it is a gift. Right? And so gratitude is what this older brother completely lacks. He can't relish in the success and the conversion and the transformation of his younger brother because he's so tied in to him getting what he deserved. So the older brother is stuck also in emptiness, but it's an interior emptiness. It's an emptiness of the spirit, not an emptiness of the dissatisfaction of the flesh. Finally, the father, the great one of the great heroes of the story loses himself in exhaustive and generous love to both brothers. And Jesus uses that imagery. If you want to gain your life, you have to lose it. You have to give it away. The father loses his life. Notice how, how um, freely and liberally he gives the inheritance away at the beginning of the story. Right? Many commentators have noted if you ask for your father's inheritance before he dies, you are saying to him, You are as good as dead to me. That's that's what you're saying. I want you to be dead. But the Father just gives it. He gives it away. I think his disposition there is precisely the precondition for him being able to, to forgive so generously. If we're stingy in giving away our love, in giving away our resources... For asking too much, do you deserve it? Do you deserve it? And right? if we're stingy on the front end, we're going to be stingy on the back end. We're not going to forgive easily. We're going to hold on to grudges. We're going to be resentful. But if we freely give ourselves away, right, we are much more able to forgive, to give people second chances, right, to let people start anew. We're stingy with our love, it's going to manifest in all different. I love, I love the image that he actually goes out of the house to greet the brother, the older brother, when he hears he's outside. Because you know what I would have done? I would not have gone out. I would have said, "Forget you, he's out there pouting. Forget him. Give me more of the pig meat. <laughs> you know, give me, I want to give me some more meat." Forget, forget him. He's pouting outside. He can't relish in the success of, our, of his brother. But the father doesn't think like that. father goes out. He meets him on his terms. That's how generous he is. He doesn't even think about, he doesn't deserve for me to go out. He just goes and loves. And that's precisely why he's able to forgive the younger son. Because he just lives out of the spirit of losing himself the others. It comes out in the whole passage. It's amazing. He goes and runs, waiting for this son. You know what I think is a really interesting uh, literary and modern theatrical and uh, film version of this dynamic, of these three figures, is the dynamic between the bishop, Jean Valjean, and Javert in Les Mis. Um, if, if you're not familiar with Les Mis, I'm not going to belabor this. You should be familiar with Les Mis if you're not. I also don't spoil anything, but if you're familiar with it, the dynamic between the bishop, Jean Valjean and Javert, is, is beautifully analogous to the dynamic between the father Uh, The younger brother and the older brother in this story, right? The bishop, who's this great figure. I was dreamed of playing the bishop in Les Mis, not because I want to be an actual bishop—that's a death sentence—but because, but because I wanted to, I want to sing that one little song. You know, but remember this, my brother. See it is some higher path. I won't sing the rest. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man, right? He, he gives, he, he forgives uh, Jean Valjean, or he excuses what he's done, um, uh, and then that, that transforms Jean Valjean, right? That, that's his, like, transformative, redemptive moment, when he's forgiven for something he doesn't deserve. He should have to repay, but he's given mercy, not justice. And it's precisely in that moment he's transformed into the generous person he becomes the rest of the story. But Javert is the older brother. Javert is stuck on justice. He wants Jean Valjean to pay and to be be revealed for who he is. To pay for what he's done. And that interior emptiness in Javert leads him, as you know, if you've seen it, to a really dark place. I said what he did last night, and someone said, you spoiled the whole thing. (laughs) I haven't seen Les Mis. I won't say what he did, but it leads him to a very dark place. As you know, you've seen it. I love that dynamic of the Bishop Jean Valjean and Javert as the dynamic of of this parable. Friends, we're a little halfway past Lent. That's why I'm wearing rose today. It's festive. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, and this parable also sheds light on what we focus on during Lent. The role of fasting of the senses and of the pleasure appetite is meant to help us to avoid the younger brother's rebellion. It's to make sure that we don't mistake the pleasures of this world for our ultimate fulfillment why we embark on fasting of food and technology and things of this nature. We don't mistake uh, the things of this world and the flesh as our ultimate good. We're also supposed to fast and and give alms to fight the younger brother's problems, the older brother's problems. If we're fasting but not working on forgiving our neighbor, blood's a waste. The waste. The interior emptiness of the spirit, right? Where we're letting ourselves wallow in self-pity and resentment and a lack of forgiveness and hatred. That is we that length we're supposed to be working on that, that interior emptiness of the spirit through fasting of of a different sort, and through almsgiving. We're supposed to be combating the temptations of the older brother. And we're supposed to be meditating on the love of the Father. And becoming. Meditating on the love of the Father as manifest in this parable and and and, and living. Right? The, The outstretched arms of the Father running to his Son become here in a few weeks on Good Friday the outstretched arms of the cross. That's how the Father approaches us when we turn our lives around and come toward him he always approaches us with the open arms of the running father and the open arms of the cross that's what we meditate on and that's what we seek to become my guess is we have a little bit of all three characters in us in this parable i hope you've been like the father at some point many of us have been like the younger son and i think Many of us, probably all of us, have also been like the oldest son. The goal is to be more like the father, more like the younger son in that we constantly turn around and turn back and run to the father, less like the older brother who hangs on to grudges and resentments and hatred. We don't know where his story ends. I like to think he got over it, but who knows? And more like the father who meditating on the open arms of Jesus on the cross, the open arms running out to meet sinners, that we become that for others. That we live that way also for other people. So friends, let's reflect on uh, this parable today, maybe from a new perspective, the parable of the lost. Younger son who loses himself, but then finds himself in running back, the father the older son who loses himself and we're not sure if he finds himself and then the father who loses himself precisely by allowing others to find themselves in him and let's see wherever we find ourselves and see ourselves in this parable that we will run toward the embrace